Imagine getting to speak around the world, meeting the most successful, positive leaders, and then getting to choose from that group. That's what this leadership podcast is all about, learning from the best how to be your best so that we can challenge ourselves to lead with purpose, impacting lives and changing communities. I'm so glad you're part of this leadership podcast community where together we learn, lead, and leave a lasting legacy. Welcome to Garage to Goliath. I'm Dan Quiggle, and I'm honored to have Michael Cady joining us today. Our guest today is a leader of leaders. Michael Cady has been working as a CEO for the last 26 years for five different companies, one of which he founded himself. From manufacturing to consulting and facilitating CEO peer advisory groups, Michael has not only led companies, but countless other leaders as well. He currently works as the Chief Executive Officer of KD Management Services, where he works with top clients to optimize their teams and companies. Vistage International is the world's largest CEO coaching and peer advisory organization for small and mid-sized business leaders. Michael serves as a group chairman, working alongside these group members to bring them to new levels of success and growth. For a podcast that focuses on leadership, Michael is the dream guest and his experience gives us invaluable amount of insight into the world of business and leadership. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. So I got to ask from the very beginning, did you always see yourself in this position like the one you are in today? And what did you want to be when you were younger? Well, no, I didn't see myself in this position. In fact, uh, I didn't even know that executive coaching was an occupation when I was younger. I learned that as, as uh, my career progressed. Uh, when I was younger, like many young boys, I, I always dreamed of being a professional athlete. Uh, but I soon realized that wasn't going to happen. So uh, I, I enjoy my experience in business. And what sports did you play, I have to ask? Well, I played basketball and, and uh, baseball and ran track, but uh, basketball was, uh, was my primary sport. And at five foot ten, I realized uh, early on that professional basketball probably wasn't going to happen. That wasn't going to be your forte, your strengths. Right. You got to play to your strengths. You got to realize that, right? You know, it's right. funny because we, we've met each other a few times and been on the road when I've been speaking. And I feel like every time, like we we're sitting across the t dinner table the other night uh, in Florida when I was speaking in Florida. And I'm thinking every th single thing you say, I seem to want to write down or, or, you know, jot down a quote or something that you, some insider wisdom that you, you know, that you gave me. And so that's why I wanted you on the podcast today. And, and it's interesting that you played sports when you were younger. What, what qualities do you think you developed at a young age that still believe are, are very important today? Well, I think uh, resilience and, and persistence are, are very important attributes, especially these days. Uh, we have change coming at us at such a rapid pace that I, I really get more comfort in feeling that I can react to that change more than uh, trying to predict the change. It's, it's just a, a virtually impossible to predict. So resilience and persistence, and, and as I was growing up, I remember uh occasionally being uh called stubborn and now i like uh resilience and persistence better than stubborn but <laughs> they may mean the same thing well, well why did they call you stubborn would you were you just kind of set in your ways well uh i i was persistent i was persistent and uh you know i felt that that uh I didn't like to be defeated and so there were times when when i persisted uh it, it, when others may not have, 
you know, that that's a strength, but it also can be a weakness. So uh, I acknowledge that. Well, you know, we have a lot of parents listening, I mean, who are CEOs, who are leaders. And so I guarantee you, uh, and, and some with young kids. So as you try to kind of help mold them into the child and, and then, of course, young adult and then man or woman that you want them to be, um, what advice would you give those parents that are trying to uh, make sure that they have the right attributes, those those children? My mother always provided advice as I was growing up. She was a very hardworking and optimistic person. And, and she always said, there's nothing you can't achieve if you're willing to put in the work that it takes to achieve it. And as I was growing up, I probably thought that uh, she was a little overly optimistic, especially when I was a teenager. Uh, but as I look back in retrospect, uh, I find that, uh, you know, we have to assign priorities to what we want to do. And some of the things that I thought I wanted to do at times that I did not fully accomplish, I, I find that the priority fell as, as life went on. And I didn't assign the, the time and the effort to make those things happen. But the, the things I did work hard at, I, I think I've been fairly uh, successful in accomplishing. So uh, hard work and, and assigning priorities would be the things that I would advise. You know, that's so interesting you say that because when I meet CEOs and I meet a lot of them speaking, of course, a lot of them will say, you know, hey, I want out of my business or I, I don't want to have to go into the office each day. And I used to believe them. Until mm -hmm. until I started saying, you know, I'm not sure I believe you anymore because I think your you know actions match your priorities. So I'm so glad to hear you say that. And I want I want my listeners to really listen to what he's just said. So when you really want something, you're willing to put in the time. And so if there's something you're not achieving in your life, I would ask you then to rethink it the way you spend your time and and the value that you give that because if you really want to make it happen, you're probably going to make it happen. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so thank you for that that nugget. I'll tell you right now, I love that. So fast forward a little bit, like how did you end up getting involved with executive coaching? Was, was there something specific that drew you to that? Uh, yes, actually there was. Uh, many years ago, I worked for a fellow uh, who ultimately became an executive coach and uh, he aligned himself with TECH, uh, which stands for the executive committee. And that eventually became Vistage. And we stayed in touch through the years. And he said to me one time that uh, if the time presented itself, if I was ready for a career change, that I ought to consider what he was doing. He said he thought I would enjoy it. And, and he was he was right. In, in 2008, we sold the business that I was running at that time. And it was time for me to decide what I was going to do after that. And uh, I started KD Management uh, Services at that time. So I got into coaching, uh, strategic consulting, and ultimately aligned myself with Vistage. And so what, what experience in your business career allowed you to have so much success doing what you're doing right now? Because, I mean, you, you were running big companies, like parts of big, um, big companies, you know what I mean, with lots of employees. So what do you specifically pinpoint to your, you know, to helping you today? Well, I, I think that, uh, and I ran some smaller companies as well. And, uh, you know, I, I noticed in big companies, I thought that the training opportunities were great. I learned a lot from those experiences, but it just seemed to me like in some of the smaller companies, people were having more fun. And so I, <laughs> I uh, liked the idea of 
Vistage and working with small to medium-sized businesses. And, and as far as, as uh, things that I learned that have helped me, uh, I think the resilience and, and persistence has, has been beneficial. Uh, but also, I, I find that I'm surrounded by, by wonderful people. I think these, these business owners are, uh, are exceptional in, in their abilities and, and exceptional in the fact that they join Vistage or work uh, with executive coaches to uh, really improve themselves. And I find that that probably is more prevalent in people running smaller companies than those running larger companies. So it's been a real inspiration to me to be able to work with them. Well, from the start, when somebody joins an organization like this, they're, they're already probably admitting, hey, look, I may not be the smartest one in the room. I want to learn more. I want to, you know, try to better myself and create the best version of myself. So they're already ha- they already have enough emotional intelligence to, to realize they don't have all the answers. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that's what makes it fun to work with them. They really want to improve themselves. Uh, you know, one thing that I, when I'm looking at uh, uh, potential clients, uh, I always ask them, you know, three things. Are you interested in growth? I, I really want people to be interested in growth. And sometimes that means growing their revenues, but sometimes it means personal growth as well. Uh, the second thing is, you know, I want them to uh, have an open mind. You know, it's a, it's a veiled way of saying if they think they know it all, they're probably not going to be a good client. And the third thing, uh, particularly with Vistage, is I want them to get a sense of satisfaction out of helping other people. You know, we have, as you know, Vistage, we form uh, peer group advisory boards, and that helps all of the members uh, in their striving for whatever they want to accomplish by listening to advice and recommendations from other executives. You know, it's interesting. I always, when I describe Vistage, I describe it as the worst thing that ever happened to America's golf courses because you have a bunch <laughs> of really successful CEOs like you who could retire and just go play golf every day or have a great time. But instead, you have all this wisdom and you take it and you get to impart it to other people and, and build them up and, you know, help them succeed in their own lives. And in turn, you know, they just it, it's, it's a win win for everybody because it keeps you engaged, keeps you excited about life and about opportunity. And uh, and then they get to benefit from it. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that that uh, excites me about what I do right now. It's an opportunity for continuous learning. And I think uh, that's so important. Uh, it's something that that uh, keeps us relevant. Uh, yeah, absolutely. At, yeah. So, so being around so many leaders all the time, is there something that you've come to recognize as a common hallmark among, you know, high level of uh, high level of success? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, you know, there are all sorts of studies that try to identify those traits that are characteristic of, of great leaders. You know, you, all sorts of, of books and articles about the three or seven or twenty one irrefutable characteristics of great leaders. And and as I read about them, you know, I think they're all very good characteristics, and I see those characteristics in a lot of leaders. But I always think of some leaders who perhaps don't have some of those characteristics or have different characteristics that I consider to be great leaders. So in trying to think about any one characteristic, you know, the, 
the simplistic way of looking at it is, you know, leaders all have followers. And that's characteristic of any leader, regardless of their style. And so I guess we'd have to say leaders are able to influence people. So I would say the one characteristic that is truly a characteristic of great leaders is they are influential people. They know how to influence other people. Yeah. You know, and then, and then, okay, so I want my listeners to keep this in mind. Like, how are you influencing other people? Is it negative? Is it positive? Like, which direction is it? Is it going? Because I think that, and I use this term a lot, success to significance, where I think when, when a leader finally realizes the full impact that they have over other people, it just changes everything because it just puts everything in perspective. And so, oh, I love that. I love that the influence part. And I love that leaders have followers. I love that you said that. And so, you know, do you have people that are looking up to you that are, that look to you for advice and then what kind of advice are you giving? And do you take that role seriously? It's kind of like owning who you are, you know, making sure that you understand the weight of that. And I'm not trying to keep people up at night being stressed about it, but I am saying that it's kind of a powerful position, you know, being a parent, being, being a CEO, being an advisor. Absolutely. All leaders have a great responsibility because they are influential they yeah. they do influence other people so that's uh that that's a nice trait to have uh but we don't take it lightly see michael now you know i'm going to use that in my speeches i'm going to talk about that i'm going to talk about that responsibility now that we talked about it here because i think that's good for people to hear so what does it look to you know what does it look like to coach someone who's already an executive uh what kind of things do you help them with yeah, that, that's a, a good question. You know, being a, an executive coach probably at times is very much like being a, a uh, professional athlete coach, like coaching Michael Jordan or Tom Brady. And, uh, you know, as an executive coach, we're not trying to teach people how to run a business. That, that's not our purpose. We're more looking at having them clarify what their desired outcomes are. You know, what do they want to happen with their business and sometimes with their, their personal life? And once they are able to, to clarify that, that desired outcome, then we want to discuss with them how they want to make that happen. You know, what, what is it? We want them to articulate their course of action to make that happen. And in that discussion, we usually uncover certain decision points along the way that are likely to, to uh, force them to make a decision. And we can talk about that in advance before that decision point becomes a crisis. And it, it's like a professional athlete, you know, you, you practice and you practice. And then when it happens in a game, you know, you've already been there. You, you know how to react to those things. And that's what we want our clients to do is know how to react, have some idea. You never have the whole answer. Uh, that's where the resilience and persistence comes in. But, uh, you know, to, to have thought about things in advance and be ready to react to them when they happen. Wow. Okay. That is awesome. Love every part of that. And, and I think, and again, I want my listeners to really think about what he just said. So he said, you know, make sure that you look at your desired outcomes. Like, where do you want your life to be? What do you want to happen within your life? And then, you know, what is the course of action to get there? 
And then what are the decision points? And, and I think that if you follow that, what Michael just said, uh, you'll have a better opportunity of achieving the things that you want to achieve. So often I feel like we're stuck in life and we feel like we're trapped. No one's trapped. No one is trapped. You can always change things. You can always, you know, turn things around or make things even better or take a disaster and maybe even turn it into an opportunity to be stronger because of it, whatever it is. So uh, I love the desired outcomes. Like, what do we really want to happen? So thank you for that. Um, what would you say, Michael, is your own leadership style? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can uh, put a title to it, but, uh, you know, my leadership style, I'm sure, has evolved uh, over the years uh, in, in many ways. You know, I, I've, um, I've seen circumstances that require different leadership styles at times. You know, command and control is, is uh, kind of an obsolete way of, of leading. I knew that was not the way that I wanted to uh, become a leader. But when I think back to college, I, I, I remember a lot of courses that had the word management in them. I remember operations management and, and financial management and so on. I don't remember a course that had the word leadership in it. And that's interesting to me. I think as a result, many leaders, many business leaders in my generation uh, got into a leadership role thinking that uh, they were they were there to manage. In other words, we paid attention to systems and to to processes uh, rather than paying attention to the people. And the the leadership aspect is not what some people think they call it the, the soft aspect of management. It, it's not. It's a skill in its own. And I think that that skill has been studied and developed to a greater degree now. And and I think that going back to the single trait of of influence, you know, my goal is to increase my ability to influence people. So that's how I would describe my leadership style is just looking at what I can do to influence people. Yeah, to change their lives and, and make a difference in their lives. I, I love that. You know, I, I see what you're saying when you talk about management. Um, I, I, I do believe as a leader that you you have to be able to connect with people and you've got to be able to inspire them and motivate them and, and be a visionary leader to, to be able to paint a picture of where these people can be and what they can be part of, I think is very powerful. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And that's what I talk about when I, when, when I mentioned desired outcomes. I want them to be able to pick, paint this picture of what they see as a desired outcome. And then we'll talk about how they feel they, they can get there and, and discuss what some of the challenges and opportunities are going to be during the journey. So one look at your LinkedIn, and quickly it reveals an immense amount of leadership experience and, and especially, you know, you've had over the years and COO, CEO, is there one position that you can think of that really shaped you as a leader? Well, I, I think I've, I've gained a lot of, of uh, good experience and, and learned a lot from each of the opportunities that I've had. And probably the one that has been uh, most beneficial to me as a leader was when I was first uh, promoted into a general management position. Prior to that, I had functional responsibilities in engineering and operations and, and finance and corporate planning. 
but when I became a general manager, uh, that's when the, the real skill of influencing people was required. You know, when we would get together and talk about strategic uh, issues and, and even some tactical issues, I would get my leadership team together and they were all functional heads. And we would decide on, on you know, corporate strategy or, or, uh, or, or tactical uh, moves that we were going to make. And as you might expect, uh, the, the functional heads often had very different ideas as to uh, the direction we ought to go. And so as the leader, it was my job to influence people to buy into whatever the final decision was. And even though it may not have been their idea, we needed their buy-in. And, and that's when I first started learning the importance of, of uh, influence, I believe. Yeah, I mean, here's the reality. I mean, you can bully your way through and get people to do things you want to do, but in the end, they don't, no one wants that, and no one wants to be part of that. So I, I, I love that you said that, that buy-in, getting people to believe it. But when you yeah. paint a good picture for people, they can go to bed dreaming about it, wake up foaming in the mouth, uh, you know, mouth about it, fantasize about it throughout the day because they want so much to be part of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we used to say you can make people do something or you can make people want to do something. And if you're looking at long term, you've got to make people want to do it. Of course, if the building's on fire, command and control works. You know, you've got to get people out. But uh, if you're talking strategy and long-term goals, uh, you have to influence people to want to do what needs to be done. I love that. That's, I want everyone to think right now, have you created a, a culture within your family, by the way, within your, you know, within your company, within your team, whatever you're leading out there, whatever you're part of, have you created an environment, a culture where people want to be there, where they want to be part of it, where they want to do something? And if you haven't, then maybe you need to work on that. That's a great, that's a great perspective. So how did KD Management come to be as, as the founder? How does it uh, feel to see where it has come, you know, today and where, where, where you are right at this point of the journey? Yeah, yeah. I, I was running a manufacturing company in Miami. And uh, in, in 2002, Congress passed the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, uh, which it came about because so many companies had very poor controls and uh, as a result uh, actually went defunct and caused the dot-com recession uh, at the turn of the century. Uh, the thing about Sarbanes-Oxley was it, it was a necessary piece of legislation for those companies, but we had good controls and what it did for us was drive up the cost of being a public company. Uh, the purpose of being public was to have access to the financial markets, but we were generating enough cash that we had no debt on the balance sheet and didn't need to be a public company. So as a board of directors, we started looking at, at strategic alternatives. Uh, we ended up selling the company to Illinois Tool Works, ITW, and that was in 2008. And so I, I was looking at what I was going to do at that point, and that's when I, I started my company. When I, when I did start the company, I, I was looking at the, the purpose being to provide continuous learning experiences for small to mid-sized CEOs. So uh, uh, when, when I started the company, uh, I, had, I was working with one, uh, one client 
And uh, now I'm working with 40 companies. So how I feel about it is I feel, you know, very honored and, and fortunate uh, to work with uh, the kind of people that I do in small to medium sized businesses. Yeah. And I guarantee you're learning all day, aren't you? From them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, that, that's, uh, you know, the purpose was to provide continuous learning opportunities for my clients the the good part is it also provides continuous learning for me i'm surrounded by uh, a lot of very bright people and uh, i enjoy uh, the opportunity it provides for me you know as a sidebar and i tell this story in my speeches randy rhodes so I'm, I'm, I'm challenging my listeners right now who out there knows who randy rhodes is was a lead guitarist for ozzy osbourne and I love this story because, you know, in all of our wildest fantasies, if we're the lead guitarist for Ozzy, you know, traveling around the world, selling out arenas, um, you know, what are we going to do when we come into a town party and have a good time, right? Never for Randy Rhodes. You know what he would do in every city? He would call three guitar teachers, schedule a half hour lesson with each of them, you know, pay them whatever they wanted to come backstage. So an hour and a half of lessons for the lead guitarist of the band. And then he'd sit them down and beg them, please teach me something I don't know. You know, what do you do best? And will you please teach it to me right here, right now? I mean, how awesome yeah. is that? And I feel like that's what these CEOs, that's what these companies are doing with you. They're like, hey, listen, we're at the top of our game, but how do we get even better? You know, and then right. I love that, you know, you with KD Management get to help people. And look, you started with one. Now you're doing 40. Plus, you've got all the Vistage members. I mean, talk about success to significance. You're just like spreading the wisdom, spreading the wisdom. And, and that's what I appreciated and, and still appreciate about you and every conversation I've had with you is how excited you get about that. Um, you know, as a certified Myers-Briggs type uh, indicator, what do you look for when you're trying to find figure out someone's sign or like who somebody is or how they are? Well, you know, I really rely heavily on the Myers-Briggs uh, assessment. I, I don't try to do that independent of the, the assessment, but uh, the assessment pretty well defines uh, what people or how people react in four different dichotomy scales, uh, introversion versus extroversion, uh, detail orientation versus big picture, uh, feeling versus uh, logical decision-making processes. And the fourth is, is uh, a flexible or structured uh, environment. These, these don't tell me uh, whether people can do a job or not. They tell me how they are going to go about doing the job, which I think is, is very important to understand. It helps us to know how people are going to do a job because then perhaps we aren't so judgmental uh, about how they might react. We try to understand what drives them as opposed to being judgmental as to how they react. You know, for example, I, uh, my Myers-Briggs uh, four letters are, I, I'm an INTJ. So that means I, I prefer introversion. Uh, I'm a big picture person as opposed to detail oriented. Uh, I make decisions primarily through logic, and I like a structured environment. So if people know that about me, they understand why I behave the way I do. They may not like the way I behave at times, and, and you know, there, there's nothing that causes a, a type to be good or bad or causes it to be a strength or weakness. It's how we use it that makes, makes a difference. The whole time you're talking, I can't help but think like if we took the same philosophy into our personal relationships to try to understand, 
you know, not judge people, but understand where they come from, because it's going to come from the, you know, how they were brought up and what their parents were like and, you know, right. what environment they're living in now. And, you know, are they sitting at home all day waiting for you to come home or are they busy? Because that's going to dictate how they treat you when you come home. Like you're home. Finally, here are the kids take everything. I need some time alone or, you know, or I need your attention because I've been alone all day or, you know, I mean, so a lot of this is understanding like who people are, why they're that way. And then maybe not judging, but then trying to figure out the best solution around how to work with them and, or make them better or help them be happier or, you know, bring them out of that sadness, whatever it is. So, I, you know, I do, I do think it's important to kind of figure out, uh, you know, who people are and, you know, what they bring to the table and what are, you know, what are their weaknesses, but then also what are their strengths and can we double down on those strengths? Um, how do you think personality tests and types can help professionals? Well, I think, you know, we're, we're all uh, influenced very much by, by what we learned when we were very young. So we have these influences over us that cause us to be who we are. And, and what I think we can do with that information is very much as you just described, you know, try to, try to understand what drives people. Uh, recognize that it's neither good nor bad. It's not a strength or a weakness. It's how it's used in, in the work environment or at home. You know, we, when we come home, we want the family to, to get the best of us, not just the rest of us. Oh, yeah, and so awesome. we, we don't want to, to, uh, uh, you know, give away everything at work and have nothing when we get home. We want to utilize what, what uh, what our strengths are, as you said, you know, we, as coaches, uh, we often focus, or I, I shouldn't say we often focus, but uh, some are inclined to focus on improving weaknesses in their clients, focus on improving those weaknesses. Uh, to me, that's just coaching your way to mediocrity. You know, I think mm -hmm. our strengths are what we need to focus on. Uh, that's what's got us where we are. That's what obviously we're, we're the most proficient with. And so I think we need to take advantage of those strengths. And I think the, the personality uh, assessments helps us do that. So, uh, you know, I totally agree. And, and I, I always say like, what, you know, focus on your weaknesses, what to be mediocre, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, instead of, right. and by the way, we all have such different strengths, every one of us. I mean, it could be music, it could be dance, it could be sports, it could be yeah. technology you know, could just be caring, you know, and all of a sudden now you're working in HR or daycare or you're, you know, you're a doctor or physician, you know, nurse or whatever it is. So I just challenge uh, my listeners to kind of really, truly identify your passion. As a matter of fact, I just I think we're going to be releasing it soon, a uh, blog uh, that we wrote on, on finding your passion and how to, how to identify it and then double down on it and really try to live it. So all, all that is intriguing to me. So I, th I thank you for bringing that up. You know, it, it's very clear that you love what you do. And so how do you continue to grow and develop as a leader? Well, you know, I, I'm very fortunate that I showed this line of work as uh, in, in KD Management Services because the result, as I mentioned earlier, is I'm surrounded by people that uh, there are very uh, interesting and, and proficient business people. Uh, you know, executive coaches uh, work these days with people who are already very good at what they do. 
in the early days, executive coaches, again, were sometimes challenged with taking people who were underperforming and bringing them up to acceptable standards. But that's, uh, as you mentioned, bringing them to mediocrity. And uh, today, the people that, that use executive coaches are already performing very well. So uh, I, I have the good fortune of being surrounded by those people. I've got the good fortune of hearing uh, expert uh, Vistage speakers like yourself who inspire me and, and I learn something from that. Uh, so surrounding me are a whole bunch of very good people. Also with Vistage, uh, we have uh, three uh, meetings a year when we get together all of the Vistage Florida coaches and uh, it's an opportunity for us to exchange best practices and we get training in our executive coaching skills. So that's another thing that is continually developing uh, our skills as coaches. You know, it's, it's and that's the, again, the leader of leaders, right? So now you get to share what's working, what's not. And, and you know, yeah. if you're a business owner out there and you've, you're running a business, are you investing in the people around you? Do you have those kind of meetings? You know, it's funny when I get brought in to speak, I'm like, why am I here today? Because somebody views you as part of their kitchen cabinet. They're investing in you, not just for work, but for life, for, for your family to, you know, then it's a win-win for everybody. We all become the best version of ourselves. You know, yeah. I was thinking this as you were sitting there. So let's say you're at a coffee shop and you meet somebody. Uh, how would you, you know, and you were trying to figure out whether they're a leader or not. What would you look for in that conversation? Yeah, that, that's very interesting. Uh, and I've been in that situation. And, and I'll tell you, the people that, that really inspire me are people that ask good questions. You know, they, they want to know perhaps what I do or how I do it. And, and uh, they're, they're very insightful as far as, as making the questions challenging. So, you know, I think interesting people are curious people. And I think asking questions are, are uh, or is a, a feature of those people who uh, uh, not only are interesting, but are always learning. So I love that you bring up curiosity. I think there's a power behind curiosity. You know what I mean? Because I think every opportunity, Michael, that I've had in my life is because I was curious about someone, something, asked a question. And then, you know, next thing you know, we're friends, we're vacationing together. You know, you just never know who you're going to meet or what opportunity is around the next corner, do you? So it, it's, it's amazing. I, um, so let's talk about this for a second. I guarantee you have people in your life, but like who inspires you? You know, who are your mentors? Well, really, uh, I, I'm fortunate in that I, I can't point to a person or, or even a few people who are mentors. I'm surrounded by them. You know, seriously, Dan, I, you know, when I look at all of the clients that I work with, uh, they're, they're all in different businesses. They all have different challenges. But each time I get to meet with them one on one, I, I learn something new. They, they're, they're always, uh, you know, talking about how they make decisions and, and, you know, how they, they uh, determine strategy. And it's always revealing something new to me. So as far as mentorship, I, I have no uh, dearth of mentors. I, I 
I'm with a mentor every day. Oh, that's awesome. I love that you see it that way too. And by the way, you're there because you're a mentor and you're viewing every one of those people as mentors. So that's just beautiful. You know, I I will say this, and this is one of the frustrating things about life. You know, there's there's these stories that are told about people or just segments of people that you hear. And one of them is with CEOs that they're greedy or they're all these things. I'll tell you right now, I, I've, I've been able to speak to tens of thousands of CEOs over the years. I would say 99.999% of those people want to talk about the the way they're impacting lives you know their their employ of their employees um some of the good things they're doing with uh some of the profits to give away to charities you know it, i just don't see it do you i mean i i i just think that's such a misconception no i i i think the the ceos uh and, and you know in all honesty i've come across a few no i, uh, I don't doubt that for sure who uh look at it as all about them uh and and they're frankly not very very successful. The ones uh, who who think of it as all about their people, all about their customers, all about their suppliers, those are the ones that are interesting people, that are curious people, that are are frankly very successful people. So so I think that that uh, outwardly interest you know the the interest in what's going on around them as opposed to the interest in what it means to me uh is is a, a feature that is just absolutely essential for success as a ceo so listen listen to what michael just said so he said so profit is a byproduct of how well we serve others so if you want to make profit go serve a lot of people i mean you know provide a great service or provide you know some new technology or some new solution to a problem. Solve a big problem and give a great service. The bigger problem you solve, the bigger service you provide, the more profit will come in droves. It's just a byproduct. Um, and by the way, I think that if you if you if you're really looking for profit as your main goal, it's going to be a long miserable life. Because when is it enough, or you know how are you going to get it? But man, when you start seeing that you're impacting lives, what a what a refreshing outlook of life that that gives you. So I, I love that. From an advice standpoint, because that just triggered my mind, like what what's the best advice that you've ever received, or and and what's the best advice that you give? Oh boy, I I think the best advice I ever received actually is, as I mentioned earlier, from my mother. You know, if you want something, you know, devote the time, effort, and the hard work, and, and you can achieve it. You know, if you don't achieve it, it's probably because you put something else at a higher priority, and that's okay. But, you know, at those high priority items, devote the time and effort and hard work and, and you can achieve it. You know, the, the best advice that I think I, I've given is to surround yourself with good people. You know, and, and that means from a business standpoint, you should have a leadership team of the best people that you can find in each of those functional areas. You know, as, as, a, uh, as a teenager, it means, you know, choose your friends wisely. You know, and we always told our boys, you choose your friends wisely. And I think that's surrounding themselves by, with good people. And for myself, you know, I, I love what I do because I'm surrounded by good people all the time. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's, by the way, it's addicting to be around people like that because they're they're optimistic problem solvers. They they find solutions to horrible things. You know, they're even when it happens to them. You know, they realize you. I'm not saying don't deal with it, but they deal with it and then they move forward trying to achieve their next goal or you know trying to be happy in life. And I just I love that about the people that both of us actually get to meet and and their their philosophies. 
Yeah. 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 So, so what do you do to recharge? Well, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I'm a, a, a modest introvert, uh, modest meaning uh, I, I'm right on the border between introvert and extrovert, leaning towards introverts. So uh, to recharge, I like something quiet. I like to read a book. Uh, I like our, our date night that my wife and I have had for 50 years of marriage, and we go out uh, for dinner on date night, and that's nice. I like a round of golf with my wife on Sunday, uh, and I got to admit, I love a round of golf on Saturday with the guys. That's that's competitive. It's fun. Uh, you know, I like being outside, and, and uh, it, it feeds my competitive nature as well, so you know, as an introvert, those are the things that allow me to recharge. Well, I love that there's diversity in all those things, right? There's reading and relaxing, and then there's fun and competition, and then there's romance and love, you know, all those different things. I mean, but that's, I guess, the spice of life, right? Is just mixing it up a little bit. So you're not, you know, life doesn't become boring and and uh, yeah. you, you can actually make it exciting. And, and I love that you've had the date night for how many, 50 years of marriage? 50 years. And, and yeah. has that always been a priority? Let's talk about that for a second. Absolutely. Absolutely. When we first had our children, uh, we took them as babies on our date night. Uh, now that, that kind of uh, restricted some of the things that we, we could do is, uh, you know, we went to different restaurants uh, with, with children. Uh, but we did that until they were t teenagers and decided they didn't want to go with us anymore. So, uh, but we, we've done it for 50 years. Uh, when we first got married, we were both working and I would call her on Friday and ask her for a date. Now, okay. And, by the way, that's awesome. Love that. So, so was it always on the same night? Yeah, it was always on Friday, Friday night. We turned down, you know, invitations to parties and everything else on Friday that, because that was our time together. So everyone, please, please listen to that. And, and this is what I mean by that. You turned down invitations to parties. You made that a priority. Absolutely. And, and I, I think that that's what happens these days is we just don't prioritize things that are important to us. And yeah. so, you know, a lot of times, I, you know, I speak, you've heard me, you've heard me a few times. Sorry about that. I speak three hours, right? One of the most commented pieces of my presentation is when I talk about work-life presence, not balance. Balance is not real. That's a lie. That's a myth because there's not enough time in the day by the time we get them sleeping and working. So I'm like, are you present and are you prioritizing the right things with the kids, with the spouse, whoever it is? And, and it's just, it is the most commented piece. So I love that you made that a priority and, and, and you actually followed through with it and you've been following through with it. Yeah. Dan, for uh, full disclosure here, I, I plagiarize that part of your talk because I love it. Oh. Uh, it's, it's not to uh, have equal time for family and work. It's to have presence. Yeah. You know, you have to be present with whatever you're doing. Well, you can you can own it. You can take whatever you want, Michael, because I, I I love okay. listening to you talk and, and, and I've, I've really enjoyed this. Do you have any last words for our listeners? I, I guess I'd only add a word of advice, and, and that is dedicate yourself to the practice of, of continuous learning, whether that be in, in business or perfecting a hobby or, or some other self-interest. Uh, you know, it, it, you'll find that it keeps your mind young, it keeps you challenged mentally, and, and it also uh, adds that, that element of relevance to, to your life that I think is so, so important. 
Michael, that is such great advice. And and I just want to thank you so much for, for joining us today and giving us some of your wisdom, letting us pick your brain. Uh, they always say that the best therapists around are the ones that other therapists go to. Uh, that sentiment <laughs> is absolutely true when it comes to leaders as well. Uh, I hope you got some great takeaways, everybody, from you know for your business, for your personal life, and you feel inspired to take on the challenges to create the future that you want. I'm Dan Quiggle. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Garage to Goliath. Please share this podcast with your family, friends, and network. Lead well, everyone. Thank you again, Michael. I truly appreciate your time. Thank you for having me, Dan. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe to this leadership podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Your feedback helps us improve and also gets the message out to more listeners around the world. To rate, review, and subscribe, please visit quigglegroup.com forward slash iTunes. Thank you for listening to Garage to Goliath. I'm Dan Quiggle, joined today by Michael Cady, Lead Well. 